ladies and gentlemen, our next event of the evening is a one-fall match with a 60-minute time limit. This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Where the Big Boys Play. I'm here, as ever, with Chad. How are you doing today, Chad? Doing good, uh, Parv. I, I didn't even tell you this in our pre-production meeting, but I'm gearing up for a drive to Ohio why are you going to a, a, a rally or <laughs> no <laughs> yes yeah, the final push for the like so i'm doing my part no uh jennifer my wife's uh, cousin is getting married this weekend so yeah oh. making the pilgrimage up there nine hours in the car great i, I once had a friend uh, back when i was doing my master's uh i had a friend who was from ohio and i always remember it was like I asked him what's in Ohio, and he was like, "Nothing, don't worry." Yeah. And he, he, would, he wouldn't go into it. So, <laughs> um, okay, so it's going to be a bit of a shorter show today, Chad, because we're looking at a curiously kind of under-talked-about show, the WCW New Japan Super Show from 1993. Obviously, it's the Tokyo Dome, so it happened on January the fourth, but it didn't air until March, I want to say. Yeah, I had the specific date, but if you keep talking, I'll try to find that. But yeah, it was March. Um, so we're, we're, we're kind of going back in time, but um, hitting the show when we're when it aired. Um, and because of that, there is no Meltzers this week. Um, so it's just going to be the review of the show, um, which uh, I, I think will probably cut a good hour off the usual running time. So. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Wikipedia just says March 1993, so I don't know. Yeah, yeah. somewhere in March 93. Now, d- just before we get into this uh, show, uh, Chad, and um, oh, the other thing is that we reviewed the Turner edit. That's the only version of it that I had. So yes, um, we didn't do the full, only the stuff that WCW viewers viewed. Right, right. Um, so d- just before that, there's a, I think there's a few bits of uh, place to be pro wrestling only news um do it shall we get into some of that yeah let's get into uh the the big news on the feeds and everything going on so um well i mean i guess the first one is the name of the feed uh right. it's just now pro wrestling only nothing else changes you don't have to do right. anything <laughs> yeah let, let's i mean i really want to reiterate that that if you're subscribed to what was the uh, PWO PTBN feed, you have to change nothing. It was simply an easier uh, branding name, Pro Wrestling Only. I mean, when we started the feed part, it was really just where the big boys play. Right. And then Titans came on very soon after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's when we jumped on to SoundCloud. And now that we're at eight or nine shows... I, I mean, I would love to find kind of a, a new branding name that kind of fits everything, but Pro Wrestling Only, I think, is kind of the closest that we'll be able to come to that, uh, just because we all are based on ProWrestlingOnly.com. 
All the podcasts on this feed will be uh, based on pro wrestling and no other pop culture topics. Yep. So it just felt like the best branding idea also helps a lot with search optimization. And uh, PWO PTBN was just kind of a mouthful. And if you didn't know, like if you were just some random person that said, you know, hey, these guys did an interview with Ivan Koloff, you know, found that on a Reddit thread or something like that in uh, another corner of the Internet. A PWO PTBN, what, what is that? They yeah. want to know what that is. So Pro Wrestling Only hopefully will uh, and be it, an easier name to remember. But <clears throat> just because the PTBM part of it is gone does not mean we're leaving place to be either. Um, right. it's, it's, it's just for the ease. <clears throat> and, I, and I actually think the reason that it was called PWO PTBN in the first place is that at that point, we were still basically trying to get over place to be, weren't we? Like right at the start, you know, so... Right, right. Uh, it was almost like we were like a separate, in some ways like a separate faction. I don't, I don't know. It, but, but yeah, so now we still have the two feeds, well, three feeds actually. One, uh, place to be pop. Second, place to be wrestling. But the feed that this show's housed on is now just named uh, Pro Wrestling Only. Yeah, the amount of confusion about out there, out that, the amount of confusion about that out there kind of surprised me. Uh, so um, I guess the view from inside and outside the, the tent look a bit different, Chad, maybe sometimes. I mean, it can happen. I understand that like any changes, it can be kind of a, some confusion of do I need to resubscribe? What goes here? What goes there? Uh, but simply, if you were already subscribed to this feed, nothing has changed for you. So we can conduct yep. business as usual. Uh, the, the other big piece of news is that we're running a bit of an event here on the Pro Wrestling Only uh, feed. Uh, do you want to say a bit about that, Chad? Yeah, so we're, uh, you know, I think, I, and this is for me kind of running, helping running Place to Be Nation for the past uh, two and a half years now. And, uh, or three and a half years, God, time flies. Um, one, one thing is I never want to get complacent. And I've really started kind of looking at that from, you know, just from we try to provide good content on the website and we never want to get complacent. Well, when you're doing a website like this, you know, that's essentially a hobby, uh, people are going to come and go. You got uh, new blood coming in and so forth. So I, I think it's always good to be on the lookout for new talent and to actually try to scout that uh, to a value add for our different feeds and for the website overall. Because, I mean, I guess just from my mentality, it's like, I mean, part of, we've been doing this show for four, four years now. Yeah. Sometimes I get sick of hearing our own voices. And I, and I do feel like in some ways, like while it's good that our show, I feel like the people know us and know our personality. So there's that sense of familiarness there. The kind of con side of that is, you know, they both know we love Ric Flair. Like there's no new discoveries to a degree with yeah. certain amount of stuff that we're, you know, like neither one of us is gonna make a radical claim i mean they they kind of know where we stand on these meta wrestling issues uh so so in a sense we're kind of calling out and having the pilot season for the pro wrestling only feed uh where you can send in a pilot episode of your idea do you have the criteria specifically 
with you, but yeah, I, I'm uh, really excited about it. We've gotten some great response so far. Uh, actually, I've gotten a couple of episodes already in that I'm uh, interested to listen to. Maybe up on my trip to Ohio, I can probably dig in and listen to a couple of those. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I do have the criteria, uh, Chad. Um, so, so basically, the, the ultimate deadline for this is the end of this month, the end of November 2016. Right. Um, and uh, basically, you just, it has to be about wrestling. Um, it has to fill a gap or a niche that doesn't already exist out there, um, which um, I think is important. You know, it can't just be, well, we're going to review all the WrestleManias again. You know, it's been done yeah. by Scott and by Justin and by other people. So we don't need to do that again. Um, whereas if there's some promotion that is, you know, doesn't get the attention, if there's some indie that you're into, um, it can be like historical, it can be modern. It doesn't matter what the wrestling is, but it has to fill something, a niche that doesn't already exist. Yeah, I think that's the key point. I know sometimes the slant with our feeds is that they are very slanted towards uh, territorial wrestling or older wrestling. That's great if you have an avenue there that you want to explore. But, yeah, I mean, as far as I know, there's not, like, a comprehensive look-through of Ring of Honor. There's not a comprehensive look-through of, like, Evolve, now that those shows are going to be on Flow Slam, their entire archive. I mean, these are areas that are uh, out there, that could be explored certainly in depth and would be really interesting topics to listen to. Yeah, absolutely. I know. And, and again, one of the reasons we had this idea is that, you know, me and Chad, maybe like we can't speak to all of those ideas or like there'll be some, you know, Kelly, uh, my uh, uh, good friend on Titans of Wrestling, he's going to be great on like historical MSG. But he's not going to be able to watch Evolve cards and, you know, so it needs to be somebody who's like a, I guess, a true blue fan of these things, you know, an enthusiast because the excitement for what you do comes out of the love in the first place, doesn't it, Chad? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, your passion, first and foremost, is the thing the listener will hear and catch on to. And you can forgive a lot of other things uh, as long as your passion and energy is there. Yeah, and the other thing is that we are asking you to try to stick to around one hour in length, uh, at least for these pilots, um, just because, you know, it's uh, people's time is, is precious these days, and uh, I think you've got a better chance of people checking you out if it's just one hour instead of five hours, you know? Right. Um, so that's it, really. Uh, oh, and if you want to uh, submit your episodes, you email them to bradw at placetobenation.com. Or Chad C at place to be uh, nation.com. Uh, yeah. Yeah, either there or you can direct message me on Twitter at Big Boys Play WCW or, uh, you know, private message us on Pro Wrestling Only. We're kind of out there. So it should yeah. be pretty easy to get a hold of us if you need that. Great. Um, oh, and just before we get going, Chad, there's a couple of other little things to plug, isn't there? It's been a, this is yes. quite a big new, this is quite a big news <laughs> week, I guess, for for the feed. Uh, why, why didn't you mention some of the new shows that we have so coming I, up? I feel like we're Eric Bischoff, <laughs> Fitz Russo coming out for that Raw <laughs> or that Nitro 2000. <laughs> uh, so, so we have had two new podcasts to join the feed. Uh, both of them had uh, 
well, well, one has now its fourth episode, but when they came on the feed, they both had three episodes kind of in the can. The first one is um, the Military Industrial Suplex Podcast. Now, that kind of formed out of the subsection on Pro Wrestling Only that carries the same name. And they've done three episodes so far. I've listened to the uh, first two. One... The first one dealt with a lot of uh, lesbian, gay, transsexual, bisexual issues. Really interesting deep dive into that. The second one was on ageism, which yeah. I thought was uh, another interesting look. The third one's on uh, nationalism and wrestling, which uh, there's just a bevy of topics uh, that they can touch on there. So, so a really good in-depth discussion, I think. Two very diverse voices and... Uh, some kind of opinions that are very thought-provoking, and I like their length of their shows. They're generally around an hour to an hour and a half, so so a good window yep. for... I mean, it's kind of heavy thinking, but it's not so long that it gives you a headache. It's, it's very engaging, uh, almost like hearing a really good, well-done college lecture on the topic. Yeah, and I would say about those guys, they are feeling... I mean, we basically never talk about politics chad you and i right um, yeah. and you know there's i think there's a there's a reason for that is is because i i mean i i've never thought that people particularly want to hear my views on anything apart from breaking down a match but i do think there's a place for serious discussion of serious topics within the pro wrestling context so that's one of the reasons why we thought we'd we'd bring those guys in that uh why don't you mention the second show so the second show is uh, entitled Psychology is Dead, and this is hosted by Quentin Moody, uh, who does some stuff over at WrestlingWithWords.com as well. And uh, this show, again, now they've done four episodes now of Psychology is Dead, and basically it takes a topic within wrestling, like a theme of escalation, tournament, storytelling, uh, looking at death matches, and expands on that, and usually gives a uh, some specific examples, whether it be a feud, a series of matches, a uh, specific tournament, or something that kind of, uh, I guess, glues the entire concept together. Uh, and then you just sort of unpack your thoughts as you review those. So I can, I've, I've listened to all these shows, but I uh, especially want to give a plug to the show I was just on called The Art of Storytelling. Uh, I was really happy with how that show turned out. And we looked at four feuds that I thought were pretty distinct. You had the old Jerry Lawler versus Snowman feud. And I think me and Quentin actually had a pretty good discussion about racism and how that's uh, portrayed in wrestling and over wrestling history. Then you had Sami Zayn versus uh, Neville from WWE. That was one of Quentin's picks. And I thought that was interesting. Our discussion there kind of tilted on a feud that was essentially one person in a lot of ways carrying the workload of that feud from a storytelling perspective and how successful that can be. And then we ended up with two kind of epic all Japan feuds. I picked Masawa versus Kabashi, which I've been long winded on where the big boys (laughs) play on that, even with our uh, greatest wrestler ever and best matches ever specials. So, you know, my feelings on that one. I love that feud. And then Quentin picked uh, the Ricky Choshu invasion of All Japan. I thought that was interesting, too, because you have an invasion feud and how you can tell a cohesive story through somebody invading from another company or organization. And then also how that really propelled the King's Road style as we know it today. 
Yeah, I, well, I listened to that, as you know, Chad. I thought that was a f- fantastic, uh, uh, fantastic show, fantastic episode, especially the uh, the last two. Uh, in fact, all of them, all of the uh, things. But for me, especially as an All Japan fan, um, I loved listening to you talk, talk about Masawa and Kabashi. Because, uh, you know, it's the Kawada... Uh, Masawa uh, feud that tends to get all the headlines, but I thought you'd right. laid out a pretty interesting case for for that feud as being an all-time great one um, as well. Even though, like, even though it's like really famous, the matches and things, I feel like the actual rivalry is kind of underplayed or under the radar in a strange yeah, way. And yeah. I, I think you did a really good job of uh, talking through that. Yeah, I will say watching all those matches chronologically this last time real quickly, I just saw that the rivalry was more ingrained and also the escalation between the matches. It really felt like there was some severe thought put into what they were going to do this time compared to what they did last time. It wasn't just... uh, I I think sometimes with those matches, people seem to judge them as strictly a can-we-top-this mentality. Like, you know, we're, well, we had a great match last time. Let's just go in and see if we can top it by doing all this stuff this time. Um, but I thought there was some actually some pretty uh, intelligent care and thought put into uh, what they did and how they escalated the feud overall. Yeah. Um, I, I also th- I also thought some of your thoughts on uh, Choshu were quite good as well. Like when, when you guys were talking about how... Um, how, like, he seems like he's got a plan and you're not sure of him, but you're not sure why. Because he's just there. Yeah, <laughs> that 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 seemed to ring true to me. Because you can't put your finger on why Choshu is special, but he is. Um, th- just one last thing uh, to plug, and then we will get onto the review. I promise. Um, I uh, I did a little out uh, outside date, if you want, um, with Timothy on the Lucha Undead show, um, which you've been a part of as well, Chad, uh, in yes. the past. And this was a this is his idea of basically conducting kind of shoot interviews with various different hosts. Um, and uh, yeah, but uh, we basically just ended up talking about wrestling for an, for an hour and a half. Um, <laughs> um, and we ended up talking about all sorts of random things like Hall of Fame. Um, what else did we talk about? Uh, some, some big laugh. No, he didn't really bring that up. We we did uh, talk a little bit about um, uh, Daniel Bryan randomly. It was so random that whole thing. Mm-hmm. But it is a chance um, for like I do talk a little bit about wrestling that you don't typically hear me talk about there. So if you have a burning desire, you can um, uh, listen to an interview there that I did with uh, the Lucha and Dead. But I would actually recommend his. Uh, ones with other people especially with chad and with brad um uh i thought i was well i was entertained by those so um and that's on the ptbm pop feed isn't it that show yeah yeah place to be pop feed the new branding for that That, that'll be now all pop culture so our comics uh the shoot interviews uh, Geek and Sassy, and us on that. So, uh, and then the sports shows were also moving over there as well. Yeah, I, 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 I maybe. It, sorry to Timothy. I maybe I just can't talk about anything pop 
because I did feel like he was trying to steer things toward music and things, but we ended up just it was pure wrestling, really. So sorry for That's that. It's kind of funny because in some of the wrestling threads, you talk about movies and everything. I know, <laughs> like I know. Anyway. <laughs> I did get a bit of a lesson on modern All Japan. That's one of the things I just remembered. Because I, I just like said in passing, you know, oh, you know, the All Japan worth watching from the 90s and so on. And they and they they freaked out at that moment as if I committed some sort of blasphemy. So there we go. Oh, wow. That, uh, <laughs> All Japan in 2016 is having a, uh, a pretty good year. Okay. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> I think it's being overstated in some uh, corners. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Voice of Ring of Honors, Kevin Kelly here. I just want to make sure you're all subscribed to all of our great feeds here at Place to Be Nation. Now, it's really easy to do. Just head to iTunes or your preferred podcatcher app today and search for and subscribe to the Place to Be Nation wrestling feed, Place to Be Nation pop feed, Pro Wrestling Only feed, and of course, the Kevin Kelly Show feed, which includes the full archives of my podcast. Subscribe, listen, and then rate us and leave feedback today. And of course, as always, enjoy all the great action of Ring of Honor Wrestling and everything presented to you on placetobenation.com. PlaceBenation's JT Rezero here, and I want to let you know that we have a ton of great podcasts available to you on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and PlaceBenation.com, and we offer them to you across two great feeds. On the PlaceBenation Wrestling feed, you can check out Scott Criscolo and me on the Mothership, the Place to Be podcast with our famous Vintage Vault pay-per-view reviews. PTBN also covers current-day wrestling with the smash hit clotheslines and headlines our steady veteran main event, and the beloved monthly pay-per-view reaction shows with immediate feedback on all pro wrestling super shows. Relive wrestling's past with our monthly pay-per-view rewind series led by Ben Morse, the always contentious Dangerous Alliance podcast, and Survey Says, a fun look back at the good, bad, and ugly of WCW. On our very popular Place to Nation Pop podcast feed, we offer such great shows as the Glenn Butler Podcast Hour Spectacular, Rank and File, NBA Team, Lucha Undead, Geek and Sassy, and a veritable podcast heaven for comic fans with hard-traveling fanboys, Sellers Points, Todd Weber's Conversation, and Imaginary Stories. Subscribe to both of those feeds on iTunes and rate and leave feedback for us as well. All of these shows, plus others, available at PlaceToBeNation.com, where we cover pro wrestling, sports, movies, comics, plus tournaments, and more. Be sure to support our site by using PlaceToBeNation.com backslash Amazon when doing your online shopping, and download our free Place to Be Vintage Vault refresh ebooks via the links on the right-hand side of our site. We also want to thank our friends at Bonehead's Wing Bar in West Rock, Rhode Island, and Fall River, Massachusetts, TheHistoryOfWrestling.com, and Scott Keats' Blog of Doom. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr as well. PlaceToBeNation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. The PWO PTBN feed has changed its name. Now it will be known simply as Pro Wrestling Only, so it should be easier to find and indeed to say. All of your favorite shows are still here, including Where the Big Boys Play, Letters from Kayfabe, Titans of Wrestling, Tag Teams Back Again, This Week in Wrestling, and many, many more including our full archives of tremendous content. So make sure you subscribe to the Pro Wrestling Only feed today. I will um, I will now get to New Japan in 1993, because that's where WCW went uh, with this New Japan Super Show. 
Um, and just before we started recording, uh, Chad, it occurred to me that for some reason this New Japan WCW Super Show feels a bit more under the radar than the other two. Like, I, I, I'm not even sure if I've heard any of these matches talked about before. Yeah, I, I feel like the, like the Super Shows have gotten progressively less important. Like, 91 was the big one with the Fujinami Flair title match that they were uh, actually hyping on TV a good bit and stuff like that. 92 had some tie-ins, um, but was definitely, I think, a level down from 91. And then 93, this one, it almost felt like it didn't even exist in like the uh, WCW meta world. Yeah, because I, just from the announcers to the type of matches to everything, it was it was like it was a standalone show they just threw up on pay-per-view. It, it also felt like the WCW wrestlers themselves were kind of afterthoughts on this card. Like, this is basically just like a, t- a, new, a new Japan card. With- yeah, the bi- I mean, the big thing going on in New Japan at this time was the war versus New Japan feud. So, and that's really prevalent in the matches we didn't get. The actual main event of this entire show was Tenry versus Choshu. Yeah. Um. And one of their, I think that was their first match in what ten or seven or eight years. Uh, so, so that was the big kind of burning issue going on with this entire dome show. Yeah, no, I've seen that match. Shad, have you seen it? Yeah, I like it. There's a couple sloppy moments. I think they had a match in April that I like a little better, but a very good match, hovering around four stars for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm always a bit disappointed with the with the Choshu singles matches, but that's just me, I guess. Uh, yeah, I like I like the April one. I thought the April one was really strong. I think that's April '93 is my favorite singles match they had together, and that's including the '85 '86 stuff. Okay, so um, let's uh, as this starts then, and we're we're reviewing the Turner edit, not the not the full Tokyo Dome right. card. So, and I, I'm led to believe they uh, they also switched around the order of some of these matches. Like they put Sting's match on last, and it didn't really go there in the card. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, it was kind of an odd order they did things, but yeah, they certainly kind of jumped around. And uh, we have, well, we have sexy Eric still knocking around here. Uh, I guess Paul Watts was still still around uh, because uh, yeah, at January fourth, yeah, he was still uh, in charge. Um, so just when we thought we got rid of them. Um, yeah. G- G- Jim Ross is back, um, and uh, he's on commentary with Tony Schiavone. So this is, a, I guess, a fond farewell for this team that we've liked right. um, over the years. Um, and I, I've just written here, I guess it wasn't in Jesse's monster monster contract to fly over to Japan. <laughs> <laughs> now, did they ever actually show Tony and Ross at the beginning? No, they were there. No, just. Jess so, Bischoff, but but right. I I I don't know if they were there or not, but there's more there's more on this later on because there, oh, okay. there's some hilarious stuff happens later in this uh, re- involving Jr. and Tony. So um, we 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 start now with Ultimate Ultimate Dragon Chad taking on Jushin yeah. Thunder Liger, um, and uh, Jr. gives the he's from another organization call here. So can right. you? fill in for maybe some non-Japanese uh, non-Puro fans what's going on? Well this this does play into the war versus New Japan feud this match so Ultimo Dragon was from the war promotion um, I mean that I think that's kind of simply the uh, the main gist of it like uh, this is sort of the junior version of that feud 
and so forth. Uh, now, Ultimo Dragon actually did come into this match as the champion. Uh, he defeated El Samurai uh, right when the feud kicked off. So, so there's that going for him that the uh, the foreign faction had the belt going into this match. But it's essentially Wars Top Junior versus New Japan's Top Junior. And uh, well, what did you make of it? Um. <sighs> I'll say this for this whole card. I thought this whole card was kind of strange. Um, I'll just say that up front because as, as we'll get to my thoughts, I liked a good many of the matches, but yet I also thought there was a good many flaws. Yeah. And that and that kind of even went up to, like I said, with the Choshu versus Tenry main event and the sloppiness. Um, so this match starts off, I thought Liger right off the bat looked great. He's in his blue gear here. Um, I, I thought he looked awesome. I don't know if, uh, where that lands on your Liger power rankings. Yeah, well, like it, it, DBIC suits. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's quite cool. To it's, I, I think did did he go through a period where he stopped changing up his suit? Because well, I feel like I associate him with the red more than anything. Uh, yeah. Well, he always debuted something special on the Tokyo Dome show. Right. That was like his thing, where he would debut a new alternate suit color or Super Liger, uh, different stuff going on there. Um, so, so that was cool. Yeah, now he just wears his like generic gear all the time. Um, we did get some awful overdub music over his theme, <laughs> which yeah. I was offended by. Um, yeah, so, so in, uh, like you said with the commentary, they mentioned right off the bat the ultimate has less of a response from the crowd uh really mat based to start liger starts to work over the leg um we get a head scissors and stuff like that i like the mat work it was kind of your general 90s junior wrestling mat work from new japan uh which i i guess i'm probably more forgiving of than a lot of other people i it's definitely table setting boring um but but i do sort of see it as engaging not boring as uh, another commenter may be uh, claiming soon um surfboard by liger the match did open up with a copo kick and then we got we got like a little bit of miscommunication there but then we get the big one where ultimo completely slips off the top rope uh, you can kind of hear like even snickers and stuff from the crowd. Just a really bad botch for him, which normally I don't think we kind of call out terrible botches, but this one was a terrible botch. But I will say, like I did think he recovered well from this one because he hits a, a handspring back elbow quickly, a baseball slide, and then hits that great dive where it looks like Liger just crashes into the announce table. It, it looked very painful to me. Um, so we get back in, and I'm like, all right, this match is rolling. It's going good. And then Ultima slips again on a diving headbutt, uh, which was almost as bad a botch as the first one. So this match does have two just atrocious it, botches. Now is, he, is he known for his botching, uh, Ultima Dragon? He's a little spotty. I would say he's, he's, less, he's more spotty than... I mean, he famously botched also at WrestleMania 20, so so he he can be prone to that. But not like Sabu, uh, say. It's not like right. No, well, I mean that's like <laughs> <laughs> either every match or great psychology, depending on how much you believe he actually did that on purpose. 
so so uh, a German suplex from Ultimo has Liger having to get his foot on the rope. Uh, but then Liger makes his comeback, hits a powerbomb on the outside, a front senton from the top rope. And uh, Liger then really, like, slammed Ultimo on his head with a powerbomb. Um, I kind of got the sense that was, like, a little bit of frustration to kind of make up from the botches before. Because it was really vicious, like, not in his typical uh, Liger palm move, but even more, like, intense the way he slammed him down. It, it may just, I may be reading into that, but it looked really rough. Uh, Ultimo does then does a crazy dive on the outside where he hits the railing, which I thought looked good. Uh, Liger makes his comeback, hits a nasty DDT from the top rope, a Liger bomb, and a Hurricanrana to win. So this match is rated uh, fairly highly by the ratings um, that are on the internet for this yeah, show. I, I noticed uh, this. <laughs> on, the, on the Pro Wrestling Only thread, I think there's less uh, forgiveness of some of the attributes of this match and that thread i don't know if my star rating was attached to it but i did look at my 93 when i watched 1993 i rated it at three and a half i was a little lower this time so i ended up landing at three and a quarter i still thought it was a good match it had some viciousness in it but it also kind of meandered a little too much when you're talking about a new japan versus war like a blood feud type rivalry the opening was a little too meandering, and it never kind of felt like this super junior Clash of the Titans type match that you would sort of hope for. Yeah, well, I gave it three stars. Uh, bore the crap out of me uh, for long stretches. Um, I didn't mind the botches so much, but it's the bore and us the rankled. Um, I, I mean, if anything's like, I don't know, Liger hitting that uh, uh, power bomb in kind of sheer frustration, that's probably him being like, God, how long am I going to have to work openers with these stupid little twerps who, you know, botch moves <laughs> left, right and center? I mean, like, let him let him face face some proper wrestlers, for God's sake. Anyway, yeah, um, yeah three stars. Let's move on. I, I've got nothing. I've got nothing kind to say about this match, really. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting match where I guess <laughs> I mean at this point in time, this would be a dream match on paper for sure. But uh, I mean, I don't think. I mean, but it's ranked four stars, so I, I it may just and but I don't, I really don't think it's something that. Like, oh, well, we've seen these moves a lot now, so we're kind of conditioned and dumbed down, so they're not as spectacular. I, I just think this is not that great of a match, structure-wise. Yeah. Well, it doesn't, doesn't hold up very well. I had a little look around, and there's, I mean, there are some high ratings on, on you know, your dark Pegasus review and all, you know, the old the old mm-hmm. kind of reviewing. So I think he gave it, what did he give it? I think he gave it four. I'm yeah. Sure. yeah. There's, there's some high ratings around. Okay, so from one dream match now to uh, Ron Simmons, <laughs> uh, literally about a week after losing the title, um, taking on Tony. Yeah. Six days, yeah. Tony Helm. Now, first of all, I was like, who the hell is Tony Helm? And then I figured out that he was Ludwig Borger. Yes. Now, now we probably will be uh, uh, mentioning Ludwig on, on another show that I do uh, in at some point. I'd imagine we'll get to him, but 
Did you look at his Wikipedia page, Chad? Because uh, I found out some things about old Ludwig that I didn't know before. <laughs> I didn't look at his Wikipedia page. I only uh, The only thing I looked for this was when he debuted in WWF on Graham's site, because I wanted to see how close it was. Well, this match. one of the things that people might not know about uh, old uh, Tony here, old Ludwig Borger, is that uh, after, <laughs> after his um, wrestling career, he became a politician. Oh, yes, yes. uh, But he wasn't just any old politician. He was like a far-right, kind of hard, nationalist Finnish. I'll just read you what it says here. During his parliamentary career, Halm raised controversies. The day after the elections, Halm uh, referred to President Tarja Halonen as a lesbian in a radio interview. Tom stated that if a lesbian can be president of Finland, then he can be a member of parliament and anything is possible. Um, uh, a huge uproar ensued as much of the Finnish media treated the statement as a personal attack uh, on uh, on the president. She herself made no comment. Halm later apologized. So there we go. Um, and uh, he, he interpreted it as basically he genuinely thought that she was a lesbian even though she wasn't so there we go oh my god <laughs> so, um just one of those little things that i didn't know like it's, that means there's two wrestler politicians uh, on this whole card which is boggling if you think you know <laughs> nuts if you think about it um so simmons uh all alone in japan lost the title completely lost <laughs> what did you make of this yeah this was uh, this was <laughs> Oh boy, you get your power testimonies to start. I did thought, uh, did think that Simmons had a really good pile driver for a near fall, but then he followed that off with one of the weakest looking shoulder blocks you'll ever see in your life. Uh, that allows Hom to take over. He gets a sidewalk slam, kind of your basic generic power move stuff with spine busters. Uh, then Simmons took over again with a weak power slam. He he just looked out of sorts throughout this match. Uh, looked like he was done after dropping the title. He keeps going for a small package, which is also kind of weird as a finisher. Uh, yeah, I think he does it three times. He finally gets the roll-up for the win on the third one. I uh, gave it a star. Pretty pretty uh, generic, bad power man stuff here. I, I did like the pile driver, but yeah, nothing. Star. Rubbish. Um, for I mean Ron Simmons, does he get injured or he's basically completely done after this, isn't he? Until- yeah, and it's kind of, well, and it's sort of weird because it's like, you know, I mean he he doesn't show up for a while in WWF, so he has a lot longer gap than you might think, where he's just sort of in no man's land. Yeah, and it, 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 I I've, I've just uh, realized both members of Doom have that in their career. Because Butch, yeah. Butch Reed's a weird guy as well. He just disappears. and uh, Like, what did he go to ECW? What did he do, Ron Simmons? I don't even know. Let me check Graham's site real quick in 1994 and see. If he's still there in 94. What, still in WCW? Yeah, but he's doing very generic. Like, it's like he's not in any program, like facing jobbers and Tom Zink. Um, 
Alexander Bagwell I mean, and stuff. It's, it's just it's can, just like he was a complete afterthought. Considering he lost the world title literally a week before this, would you ever think that this was the world champ? It's like no, yeah, no, no, absolutely not. Oh, I can see here he didn't leave. Oh, oh then. Oh, he, 94, he's in New Japan as well. Yeah, I can see as an ECW, he does go to ECW. Um, in when, when is that, 95? September of 94. He uh, has uh, he has a series of uh, matches in ECW. I can see he faces Sabu and uh, loses in his, uh, right out of the gate, just kind of a series of defeats against Sabu. Um, and then uh, he even has a title shot against Shane Douglas, so... Just strange, and th- and then I guess he gets rehabbed or something in ECW, and that gives him the impetus to get the WWE contract. Weird, weird, uh, weird little bit of uh, his career there. Yeah, looks like his last show for ECW is uh, yeah May of '95. So yeah, from there till he debuts the night after WrestleMania 12 in the uh, Blue Armor. So, so yeah, I mean, a really three years lost, though. I mean, may, maybe an ECW had a decent little push in 94. I don't recall any of those matches. I may have watched some of them, but they're not ringing a bell. But not, not enough to leave a lasting impression. Do you know what I predict, Chad? I reckon hours after we post this show, we'll have a nice long post from PF3 explaining the exact situation, which... <laughs> Which I always appreciate, so... Yes. Help us out, Pete. <laughs> Give us a solid. Okay. Um, so, d- next now, we go to um, Dustin Rhodes and Scott Norton taking on Mr. Saito and Shinya Hashimoto. And I've just written here, my God, look at that native team. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Hash and I Saito. I these teams. Yeah, I thought this was a great pairing. Now... Sato, I did check. I thought, God, he's old, isn't he? 1950, uh, 1965 he debuted. He was 51 years old here. Uh, I'd say he seems a good 10 years younger than that in the way that he works. So, uh, what did you make of this? Yeah, so this one, we'll, we'll get to the ratings, but I, I'm on a different planet on this one. Uh, it started out Norton and Hashimoto. I thought they started, I mean, like, you just came off a terrible Power Man matchup. Here you get some intensity and some gravity behind them going at each other. And it really was night and day to me because Norton and Hashimoto start out with a big beefy matchup. Uh, Hashimoto misses a huge spinning kick. I thought Norton actually kind of impressed me the most out of all four just because I love all three. All The other three were on my greatest wrestler ever list. Um, and then you have Norton, but I thought he belonged certainly this match and added to it a lot. He had a nice shoulder block. Uh, Mr. Saito and Dustin have a good exchange, which is really neat. Like, that's just a neat pairing overall. Dustin gains the advantage with his forearms, and then Dustin goes for a splash and flies to the ramp. I thought that was a nasty-looking spot. Uh, A spot he does, but it kind of was added where he hits the ramp on the Tokyo Dome show. Uh, the guys inside take over, and I, I love Norton being a dick when he stepped on Hashimoto's throat, like when he was on the crown, just a simple move, but uh, very vicious. Um, they go to the outside side. Mr. Saito then gets the hot tag, 
and boy, he came in fired up. The native team was really rocking at this point. Uh, but Norton's actually able to weather the storm and hits a power slam. Um, Hashimoto then gets his offense in when he's recovered, hits some nice kicks on Dustin. Uh, he gets a huge jumping DDT for an air fall and then an insecurity to win. I uh, thought this was a really fun match, really, really fun match. I thought it was about, what, 14 minutes, didn't overstay its welcome for me. I went three and a half stars on this bad boy. Wow, well, I'm I'm glad you liked it as much as I did, Jack, because, uh, well, I went three and three quarters, and I really tied with going higher because I loved it. I just thought, well, man, you know, I mean, Scott Norton, say what you want about him, he got to blow through all of it. He basically plowed through his entire arsenal of offense. Hash, in this kind of odd role as a pinball facing peril, which is something that I'm not used to. I mean, is that something they're used to seeing uh, Hashimoto doing as a kind of... He take, I mean, he works underneath, I would say, more than you would think, and I actually think he makes it work. But here I thought it was really well done because at this point in time, Norton wasn't that established. Um, and, it, and you know, Rhodes is still young, too. Uh, so I thought they did a real good job of making the damage look sufficient enough to justify him, you know, working this role. I, uh, I popped for the little Sato up, the little Hulk up from Sato. Yeah. <laughs> he did that little, um, you know, the stomping of the feet. And um, it, it, I had shades of that match he has with Larry Zbysko, you know, when he hulks up in there. Um, right, right. Uh, I mean, Sato, I mean, still 51 years old, dropping the suplexes like, uh, like he's never been away. I mean, uh, what did you make of him here? Oh, he, I mean, he still looks good. Uh, he he's a really I, I just wish we had almost all his footage yeah. like I, I just think if we had complete footage on him he would be really really high yeah in, uh, I, GWE I, rankings. I went and had a good old route around um for to see if there's anything from the 60s nothing at all anything from the 70s like literally until 78 nothing at all so the first decade is completely missing uh which is such a shame because i mean there is footage that exists from that era but just nothing from nothing from him um i'd 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 love to see what he may have got up to um in that in that first decade uh i i actually wonder if um sato's got like a proper hall of fame style career if you actually look at, because I didn't realize he started so early, you know. Right, right. Because right. uh, uh, Jim Ross kept on putting that over, so just made me just made me think that he was forty years old in nineteen eighty two, uh, which is yeah, you know doing that stuff in the AWA, yeah. Okay, um, so yeah, I th- I thought that, I mean of all the matches on this card, this was the one which I, you know I just basically flew out to me as a as a standout match on paper and in fact in execution it was way better than anything else that we'd seen so um yeah I, it didn't make well, the yearbooks this one did it no and and i think a lot of that deals with the ratings because if you read around the ratings of this match it was like two stars a star and a half yeah i, I don't understand that I, w- I would like to uh if if people listen to the show and they want to try to seek out this match, that would be cool. To, I mean, maybe we're just on an island, but I mean, this is guys that a lot of people like, and 
I, I maybe it's just because now, in retrospect, somebody like Dustin Rhodes maybe is appreciated now as a worker more than he was then to a degree. But I, th- I thought this was just a really well done big man match. I mean, I can see uh, Scott Keith's review here. The Rance, Ransylvania, that's Scott Keith, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, he gave it half a star. And he's working this kind of thing that uh, Sato's roughly 185 years old. And because of that, he just kind of, you know, what does he say? He says things like, um, it's Sato, who takes eight minutes to get off his walker and drag his ass to the ring. Oh, and, come and, on. And, 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 people in the mouth. What do you and, want? And stuff like Sato rocks back and forth like a later life Freddie Blassie. Oh, and boy. so he's kind of just working that. And then he, that's, 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 I mean, that's when you're. That's when you're predisposed to get your jokes and gimmick in before you're watching but the match that's he, actually taking place. He ends up with this had no business being anywhere this long. And, right. I, I mean, when you look at a review like that, you maybe can get an idea of why this match maybe hasn't had its day in the sun type thing. Yeah, I mean, it's 14 minutes. It's not like it's this long, drawn-out move. And, I mean, at the end of the finish... Uh, Norton's trying to break up the pin and Saito literally like lunges at him to prevent that and a really cool move where he's just like one split second away from breaking up the pin so yeah. did you melt and review this card you know that, that's something I haven't thought oh, of checking no. let me let me do my google you can set up the next match and let me see if that listing has his star ratings for that I would assume he did yeah um, I've right. actually been in Japan for this one. I'm yeah, so I was positive. thinking he usually goes to that show, doesn't he, the Tokyo Dome? Um, okay, so the next match is for the NWA World Title. It's uh, everybody's favorite, Chono, taking on uh, the great Muta. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, they uh, they made a big deal out of the fact that Chono came out first, even though he was the champion. Um, right. Which uh, was something that, and then I like Jr. and uh, Tony were kind of scrambling for explanations for why Muta came out second, and it was because of the big entrance. Uh, and then they said it's like one of the best entrances that they've ever seen. And um, I was like, was it? I did, he just came through some paper, didn't he? <laughs> What do you think of the entrance of the big Muta? I mean, it was kind of cool, but yeah, I don't know about the best I've ever seen. But again, I mean, that could possibly be because of uh, Triple H mania. Yeah, what we've seen. (laughs) Maybe at this point in time, it was a pretty cool entrance. I mean, you know, like Taker coming out in a hearse was seen as state of the art at this point in time. So that's probably fair. Did, Did you find that Meltzer had any ratings or? No, I don't see any. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it may be in the newsletter buried in there when this show aired. So that's possible. Maybe we can get to that on our next show. But uh, oh, all right. Well, sure. What did you make of? Uh, we've we've been critical of Jono in the past. Uh, was he any better here? Yeah, I <laughs> slightly, but this is a weird match too, Parv, because. Um, I don't, did you ever read the 1990s uh, New Japan pimping post from JDW on the old Death Valley Driver? No, 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 I didn't. So this this came out right when they were voting for that, and and this is a match that at that at that time he really championed, and he actually voted this match as one of the top 20 matches 
of 1990s New Japan, I believe. Um, and it's just one of those, like, I, I mean, again, this was 16 years ago, so I don't know how he feels about the match now. Probably hasn't given any thought to it. Or, uh, but but it's kind of like that backlash oh, to Rocco. I, I can tell you, Chad, he thinks exactly the same thing about it. Because... <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen that guy change his mind about anything. <laughs> yeah, well, to, then to me, it, it's kind of like the back on Morocco one-hour draw that he enjoys. Oh, Christ to almighty. Be the, be the uh, only one on that one. Because uh, this match, I've, I mean, I've watched this match a lot now, and this did uh, make the 93 footage, and I, I just don't really get it. Uh, I thought Muda does look good in his white gear. But but the opening work here, the mat work is even less engaging to me than the juniors match. Just really meandering, doesn't have much meaning. A leg a bit, the leg of Chono, uh, or Chono works over the leg of Muda a bit. The midsection is focused a bit behind Muda, but nothing really comes out of that. Uh, the match does open up when Chono gets sent to the guard on the outside. Muda hits a chop from the top rope. And then gives the, uh, I guess probably actually the biggest spot of the match is when he gives the bulldog on the ramp and then does his running ramp spot. Gets a really good reaction. It's kind of a cool visual, even though it's just like a 100-yard clothesline to a degree. Uh, but that is a cool spot. I won't understand that. Um, and then it kind of goes into this thing where Muda keeps going for the moonsault. Yeah. And that's sort of the narrative of the match, which is, is, is kind of cool, but I thought there was too many tonal shifts back and forth where he would go on the moonsault and then Chono like immediately is in the SDF. And then we get a lot of back and forth for like somebody hits a power bomb for a near fall and then the other person's on the offense really quickly. Uh, and, you know, Muda finally does get the moonsault. And I thought that should have been the finish. It only gets two. He ends up finishing off with another moonsault. Yeah, this is just a match I struggle with. There's this, The ending sequence, I think, is kind of cool with the moonsault stuff. But uh, overall, not a match I dig very much. I went two and a half stars. Um, well, uh, I found Meltzer's ratings, Chad. He does have them. Um, but And, the, and the, I think this is, goes to show again that this card is so little, you know, the people who make that Melter site haven't even bothered to put the ratings up there. But it, it is here. It's in the January the 15th, 93 uh, one. I hope it's not the ratings I'm seeing on uh, yeah. Pro Fight DB. Four and a quarter for this one. Four and a quarter? Four and a quarter for this, four and a oh for this one. What? I mean, what here? Just a, Do you see what he ranked the tag match? Uh, hold on a second. He's, uh, let me just tell you what he says about this a second. Four and a quarter. I can also see Scott Keith went four on this as well. Um, so Scott, Scott Keith uh, thought this was brilliant. <laughs> Melt, Meltzer says, um, uh, I think basically he was marking for the, the handspring elbow and the moonsault and the uh, some of the big moves um, from what I can see. It's one of those things where he doesn't, he doesn't really give any analysis. He just gives a kind of play-by-play here. And yeah, it's like Muda goes for a moonsault. Yeah. Four and a quarter stars, yeah. Yeah. Um, so just going back, he gives the tag two and three quarters. Um, yep. And uh, basically just mentions that Sato was a sub for Anoki. Um, and doesn't really say why he only gave it two and three quarters. Um then he gave uh, what else? He gave Simmons versus uh, 
Tony Haim, one and a half. And yeah. he gave the opener that we watched, Liger... Um, Ultimo, or Ultimate. Three and three, three, and three quarters. Three and three quarters. Yeah. So yeah. he's kind of almost the mirror negative of, of our, you know, the negative. Yeah, well, I, I, I can tell you just looking at what he gave the next two matches that there's going to be some disagreements too, so, at least for me. So we're going to be pretty far apart uh, from Big Dave and the other reviewers on I, this show. I've kind of lost, com- I've completely lost faith with Big Dave these days anyway. Well, for, I, I mean, I guess you can touch on this match whether you thought it was... Well, I mean, I, I had exactly the same rating, two and a half. Um... Most of my notes revolve around the noises that Trono makes. Like, why does he bleat? Why does... <laughs> I've just written in my notes, why does Trono bleat like a goat? He will never be the goat, of course. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot of grunting. Kind of a weird... Maybe uh, breathing, yeah. It's, Trono's just so fucking boring. I can't deal I with it. <laughs> I, I wonder if Trono smokes. And, and I'm produces that weird noise that he makes maybe i maybe just like his lungs i don't know because yeah because it's not like he's blown up it's just like that's his rhythm it's breathing strange not in in terms of like if i was to say the noisiest wrestlers of all time i think luger's got to be in there um i i am i am joshi oh yeah of course yeah the joshi workers yeah yeah, well, so, yeah, ma- Joe, male, uh, male, male, yeah, male wrestlers. Chono and Luger. I and Mike Sharp. That I think of, yeah. I and Mike Sharp, very, very loud. Uh, <laughs> so, well, anybody louder than them? I, like Flair's quite loud, actually. He talks a lot. Yeah, I mean, well, Flair when he does like his, oh god, you know, yeah. like if he gets, <laughs> he, he's kind of loud. Um, I, I guess it's different because, like, I mean, like somebody like Arn is really talky. Yeah. Or, you know, you have some of those, t- like Tom Pritchard. God, he can drive nuts at some points how much he talks in the match. Like, I get it, it's a heel annoyance, but also, like, he's like, yeah, 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 you know, like, back him up, or else you can get kind of grating if you're not in the right mindset. So, anyway, I, I, I actually I enjoyed the visual of the moonsaults, but I thought this was Dollsville, the whole. I just kind of, like. It takes something special to drag Trono out of something boring, I think. I just hate his style. I hate yeah, it. And even, I mean, I know you're not crazy high on, like, the October 92 Masawa versus Kawada singles match, their first big singles match in Budokan, yeah. which I actually like that match more than you. And I know, uh, spoiler alert, but Charles is running down his top 500 matches, and that match shows up really high on his list. Um but, uh, but yeah, I mean, come on. Like, to compare those two at this point in time to Chono and Muda, it's like, ugh. Yeah, I just, I don't, I don't see, I don't, I don't see a comparison, honestly. Yeah. It just made, like, the more I see Chono, the more I just think Hase worked miracles in that, uh, match. And what's the other really good Chono match from around this time as well? Um, uh, well, the rude, yeah, you got the, the rude, rude G1 climax, which is good. Um, that Hase match you liked, which I did, I wasn't even crazy about that one as much as I, you, but oh, still, I that was hate, really good. I just hate, I really, I mean, like, people really hate, like, Mike Watunda, say. I think Chono has that effect on me. Like, I just can't stand the guy. Like, he, <laughs> anyway, um, yep. 
so he has go away heat with me, Chono. Um, there you go. And uh, and yet he comes back again and again, doesn't he? Over the years, we're gonna be seeing. <laughs> I think this is about his swan song, though, as no. far as the uh, WCW involvement. I don't think he's in much more shows. We'll see. No, he, he's in uh, the NWO, isn't he? Doesn't he, he come? He is, but that was more like a Nitro thing. Right, okay, thank God. Like, yeah, uh, I don't think we'll be seeing him too much. It, unless we decide to review some Nitros at some point. Uh, no, you know. no, not happening. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm concerned we won't finish the pay-per-views before one of us die at, this, at the rate we're on. Greed 2001. Uh, <laughs> yeah, let me see. Uh, let me just see in my 93 rankings what the highest Chono match I have. Uh <laughs> Real quick. Uh, well, he does. Okay, yeah, I do remember. This is a really shockingly good Chono performance. It's it's Tenru and Hara versus Chono and Fujinami from 7 14, 1993. Right. That's a really good Chono match. Um, and then the second highest match is the Hase match that you really love. So, so those are kind of his two standouts from 93 in my eyes. Man, I, and I'm I'm just seeing if we ever see him again, because uh, God, oh God, <laughs> NWO Japan, oh no, they're 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 nitros. These are he does work bash at the beach '97. Wow, and sold out '97. Oh God, yeah, oh. I, was, I was gonna say I bet he's in sold out, and he may be in one of the World War Three battle royals. He's at he's at Starcade against Luger. In the oh, World yeah, Cup of Wrestling. Right, right, 95, <laughs> yeah, so we will see him a couple more times. Oh, God. Uh, no, nothing is prominent, though. I mean, he's been featured, I mean, in a lot of stuff we saw throughout 92, like the t- tournament and the uh, the match at uh, versus Rude at Halloween Havoc, the match versus Muda at Starcade. So he, he's been around. The, the, the so. ultimate thing I will never understand chad is how the three musketeers had chono in it like shot like if you look at that roster it could be anyone else it doesn't matter if it's hasse anybody else why is it him what's he got that anoki sees in him i don't get it like maybe probably <laughs> just the amateur background Ugh. anyway let's let's move on to uh, a six-man tag now um are you going to try to say all these names <laughs> Oh boy, Tagayuki Izuka, Akira Nogami, and El Samurai versus uh, Nabukazu Harai, Koki Kitahara, and Masalo Orihara. And uh, I'm sure I'll be uh, getting a note later from Timothy on uh, where I faltered in my pronunciation. Of <laughs> well, at least you attempted it, Chad, because I I can't uh, say all these. He, he loves how I pronounce. <laughs> Uha Nation. That's that's always his favorite. All <laughs> the <one> such. <laughs> um, now, one of my favorite things of all time on any of the cards that we've ever seen, Chad, happens here, because Jr. and Tony apparently leave to go to a sushi bar, or at least that's the story they tell us. Yes. <laughs> um, and for whatever reason, Eric Bischoff is left alone, solo, to call <laughs> this match. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Do you, I, I think it had to have been a timing issue, right? Like, I don't, I don't know what happened here. Or, I, I mean, here, here's my theory, and you can listen to it. I think they had the show timed. They got Ross to do his stuff, blah, blah, blah. Then 
I guess a couple weeks. I, maybe they did it in segments or whatever. Did their pre-tapes. Their uh, they didn't have everything together. When they put the show together to give to the pay-per-view provider, I think they realized they were short. Um, but Ross had already left the company, so it's not like he could come back in and uh, provide commentary. So they sort of shoehorn that in there. <laughs> Well, like they basically made up a storyline on why Bischoff's announced. I don't know. It, it was just weird. Well, one of the reasons I love it so much, Chad, is that it's the sound of a man drowning. Him basically filibustering, <laughs> do, doing the intros is absolutely. It's one of the funniest things. It's like, like I've got this image of Bischoff alone in Japan obviously has no clue about wrestling or any and he, he just keeps on saying things like um this is the longest introduction i've ever seen <laughs> it's just like it's clear that he doesn't know what to say and he keeps on just like he returns to these platitudes about the japanese being patient people <laughs> and stuff like this <laughs> i just absolutely love the sound of eric spinning his wheels for the entirety of this match like he, he kept on going on about like hmm this is turning this is turning into a marathon isn't it uh we're in for the long haul uh you know, oh, like he just didn't know what to say. And I, I just, uh, one of my favorite moments ever was uh, Bischoff basically just dying on this match. Uh, oh, he died on the vine, <laughs> for sure. Well, I mean, I wonder why Tony couldn't have just come in and done that. I don't then. know. Yeah, this, this whole thing was weird. This whole match was weird. Like, why place it here? This was like essentially the Divas match that we were used to from... WWE pay-per-view, like, right before your main event, they just fill this in the death spot. Like, what a... Uh, this match served, like, no consequence. Nobody was a WCW name to any degree that was in this match. Uh, it, it was very bizarre. Like, I mean, why not put in Tenru and Choshu? Because maybe people might could remember Tenry was on that Clash of the Champions at one time. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I didn't get it at all. Or, I mean, you know, they left the Hellraisers, which I get it that it's the Steiners and the Hellraisers. <laughs> so you may not want to be promoting the Steiners when they're going to uh, WWF. So I understand that, but... I think I've just understood what's geez. happened now. Okay, what do we L- got? Looking at the original card, this was the opener. So maybe Tony and JR hadn't arrived, or they were late or something, and uh, Bischoff had to fill in. I don't know. Um, or, like, they had to do it, but clearly they weren't there for the opener. And it was a, a, an arrival issue, maybe. I don't know. Because, um, uh, yeah, it's, it's weird how they'd get the opener and put it here in the card as well. But anyway, uh, what did you make of the match? Nothing. I mean, this was a nothing match. I didn't understand what was going on here. I didn't get any uh, storyline much from this except Samurai's kind of a dick, uh, mainly to Kitahara. Uh, he, he, he blew through Kitahara with a nasty tombstone and then a weird front pile driver, um, which, which was vicious. And then it looked like we had a legit injury with the finish. Because um, the, the finish was very bizarre where Kid R is given a power bomb. Uh, he covers, I, I think they cover once, they break it up. The other team breaks it up, then he covers again and he breaks it up. And he's just laying on the mat for a, 
had to be like a minute or two, and they finally clear everybody out of the ring, and he covers one more time, and it looks like Kid Ahari kicks out, but the referee calls for the bell. So it looked like a legitimate injury to me, but overall the match was pretty garbage. Uh, again, no story much that I could find. The action wasn't very exciting to me. I went a star and a half on this. I didn't like this at all. Well, well Meltzer went three and a quarter. Yeah, which I, I saw that. I, I, I'm just gobsmacked by these ratings. Like, I don't understand. And, and how could you say, like, I didn't look and see what Keith went on this, but how could you say, like, that beefy tag wore out its welcome, but this didn't? I mean, this was just as long, if not longer. Um, yeah, well, um, the, I, I think I liked it a little bit better than you, uh, Chad, just because the, um, I thought that there was some, they worked the leg pretty consistently. Um, mm-hmm. it was, it was, it, what's his name? Uh, Hiari, Harry, Harai. Kitahara was the main guy that was, uh, in the white pants that was getting bullied by the, uh, El Samurai the, side. The, the ball guy. I mean, I, I thought that they yeah. did, they did some decent job just like dishing out punishment to his leg. Um, I was pretty distracted by Eric throughout, I have to say, and was mainly concentrating on that. Um, I mean, I, I can see Keith gave it two and a half. And um, I think this may be the first time in the entire universe that he and I have aligned, because that was the rating I gave, two and a half. So. There you go. <laughs> two, two peas in a pod. Me and, uh, me and old Scott there. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean... It, it was. Uh, I would recommend people seek this out mainly just to hear Eric Bischoff drowning, uh, and to think that he was then giving full control of the company. Not long after this, is blows my mind really. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, because he clearly just has no idea what's going on. It did make me think, though. Uh, clearly, uh, Bischoff went to Japan, Chad. Right? Do it like in this trip. Yeah, it definitely looked like he was there. Yeah. Um, do you think that this was formative in some way? For his kind of vision of bringing in like wrestlers from around the world later on when because if like say what you want about eric it's one thing he did do was open up like different styles of wrestling to the product well you know i mean like the nwo later down the road that was based on the uh, uwfi new japan for 1995 so um i, I mean uh, maybe i think this may have opened him up to that degree Certainly. Possible. Because, um, I, mean, I don't know, it was clear to me that this may be the first time you'd ever watch Japanese wrestling watching this match. Um, it, like, is it, it, it just seemed like the sorts of comments he was making felt like that. Um, anyway, we're into the main event now. This is the main event for us, not the main event on the card. And it's Sting taking on uh, my all-time favorite New Japan guy, Hiroshi Hase. Um and, uh, I mean, this was a match that I didn't even know took place, Chad, until we watched this, because I want to say I've never seen this card before. Um, so what did you make of this? I, I was really interested to see what Hase could do with, uh, with you know, a carryable worker like Sting. Right. Yeah, I was interested in this one. I like that uh, Hase slaps down Sting offense, grinds him down with some wrestling. Uh, double drop kick in some mirror spots to start off. Uh, Hossie gave Sting a throw that I don't think he was ready for, <laughs> which was pretty funny. And then uh, Hossie does the hip swivel, which I'm sure you enjoyed. The, uh... <laughs> I, enjoy, I enjoyed JR and Tony being like, oh, he thinks he's ravishing Rick Rude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, 
Uh, Hossie walks in a single crowd, so he's really focused on the leg, which we know Hossie does great limb work. Uh, Sting, for his credit, does sell well here. Uh, I was kind of surprised at how much Hossie was dominating this early portion of the match. Hossie gave him a great pile driver where he like lifts Sting up and then literally like walked around in a 360 yeah. circle and then dropped him. That looked really cool. Uh, big knee from the top that Sting kicks out of, and then Sting's finally able to kind of fire back since Hossie did the outside. Uh, and they also have a bit of miscommunication, though, where Sting went for a crossbody. Well, like Hossie was supposed to atomic drop him, uh, an inverted atomic drop. It didn't kind of turn out that well. Um, but then I thought Sting hit a nice impact DDT in the fit for the finish. Uh, he also got a nice German suplex for an air fall, and then he ends up winning with a crossbody. So, so I like this match, but I, I did think it was a tad disappointing for me. Um, I thought it was good, very solid stuff, but in the three-star range. So that's where I went. So you gave it three stars? Yeah. M- Meltzer gave it three and a half. Um, he he seemed to enjoy the match. Um, he he keeps on uh, talking about S- Soviet Soviet style suplexes. Uh, what is that? Because uh, Jr. was struggling to call it, but I, th- I think it's kind of like that Saito uh, style where you know it's kind of like the where he just lifts him up and throws him overhead. No, that was the spot where it looked like Sting wasn't ready to take the throw. Is, is that move not called a Uranagi? Is that not? I don't, you know, I'm so bad at this. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, that's, that's clearly... I it. thought Uranagi was when it turned into the, uh, it, it turned into the, uh, like a rock bottom. Okay, yeah, maybe. It's kind of different. Diff- I has say he's got so many different styles of suplexes. It's quite hard to name them all because they're all kind of variations on a similar theme. But uh, Meltzer's calling them a Soviet judo suplex. So that's how he calls it. Um, there's something about Hase Chad that just kind of hits my e- exact sweet spot as a wrestling fan. You know, um, I just think I love uh, classic wrestlers, and Hase just just a classic wrestler to me. Like. He, you know, he goes through his offense. He works a body part. He sticks to a game plan. Um, and I thought that Sting slotted in pretty well into that, into that mm-hmm. kind of Hasse formula, if you want. Um, I mean, I didn't, you know, it wasn't brilliant. I gave it um, three and what did I give it? Three and a half. So yeah. you know, same sort of rating as Meltzer, but. I enjoyed it and might stick it on a Hase comp if I was to make one just to see Hase versus Sting. It was fun enough, you know. Yeah, I think it's worthy for that. A, a good match. I, I guess I just thought um, the way Hase dominated, I kind of wanted more of a distinct-like shift. I don't know. It was something that was a little odd in how they, you know, Hase was dominating and just felt like they kind of just went straight to the finish to a degree. I, I do think it may be hurt slightly by the sneaky editing of WCW making it seem like it was the main event when in fact it was an undercard match right right that's uh, true too so yeah so all, all in all do you give this card a thumbs up or a thumbs down I mean yeah like I guess we talked I mean like it has a good many good matches on it I mean it's an hour and 45 minutes so it's a pretty easy show and in my mind it had three matches that were good uh, but I, I think I'd have to go thumbs in the middle on this one. 
I, I, that would be where I would uh, lean. Yeah. Um, well, I, I mean, I, I don't know, because I, I kind of feel like uh, the people who would listen to this show are going to watch it no matter what. So just go, go and watch it and <laughs> make up your own mind. But uh, I, I'd, I'd certainly say we've seen worse cards, but we've obviously seen better oh, yeah. cards too, you know, so. Not, not on, this one's not on the network. Um, correct. Yeah. Yeah, not on the network. So you you'll have to uh, you know see if you can find an uncle who has it instead. <laughs> yeah, uh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think would are we both choosing that uh, Dustin Rose Scott Norton tag as the match of the night? Yeah, that's gonna be my match of the night. Um, it was actually pretty easily for me. Uh, you had a couple. Uh, the maybe the quote unquote main event was pretty close and star yeah. rating, but yeah, that one was pretty clearly my match of the night I, i'd actually be interested to see what other people make of that uh hash sato norton uh, Rhodes tag because uh i mean it didn't make the yearbook for whatever reason uh i feel like people would rate it higher than some of the stuff that did make the yearbook from that card um, oh yeah well i mean i certainly rank it ahead of muda and chono which did make it so there's one right there yeah um do you think it would have made... Uh, that's another big thing that's happening at the moment. Charles's top 500 matches of the 90. Do you think he... Any chance yeah, of making I that? I don't think it would have made that. It probably wouldn't make mine either just because 500 matches sounds like a lot, but when you're talking about a decade, which... Um, I mean, I don't I don't know. We can, we can get into this with star ratings, but, you know, like, I feel like I'm a pretty fair star rating guy, Parv, and... Yeah. And last year I only had about 74 star matches of the stuff I've seen, saw, and I, I did watch more stuff this year. But uh, this year, just the way, like, how much shows are available and stuff like that is almost making me kind of question my system and everything. Because as of right now, I have 150 2016 matches, four stars or better. Um, just a massive amount. That's, and I, that's I ridiculous. I feel like I'm uh, fair with that. Um, I mean, I mean, maybe this match, if I watched it on a random indie show in 2016, I may say, oh, yeah, that was four stars, but it's kind of tough to gauge. But, yeah, I, I couldn't see the uh, the tag from the Dome match making my top 500. It, it probably would be fighting to be in the top 100 of 93 may not even make that because i actually think 93 of the years in the 90s has more four star matches than any other year uh so so it probably wouldn't even make the top 100 of 1993 but still you know very worth watching i I know that can um kind of give pause or uh in some ways i think unintentionally come off as elitist when it's not like i'm not downgrading this match it's very good well worth watching uh really interesting to see it's just that's kind of where i'd put it overall yeah okay so mvp i think this is an interesting question yeah i I think i'm gonna go for kind of two unconventional choices on uh our awards here i'm gonna go with scott norton um which i don't again i don't necessarily know if he was the best in that tag match but he was certainly the person i thought the least of going in so the fact that I thought he gave a very good performance, showed some kind of dickish tendencies like I touched on with him stepping on the neck and uh, was sort of like the lead brood of his team, which I enjoyed. So I'm, I'm giving him the nod. Probably the only time he'll ever win the uh, 
MVP unless uh, Vicious and Delicious has a surprising performance in 1997. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it to Hasse. Yeah, well, big surprise <laughs> there. <laughs> I mean, he's, he, I don't know. I just thought he was phenomenal, even against, even against Sting. I mean, you know, Russian side, Russian leg sweep, four different suplex variations. <laughs> I mean, you know. Um, <laughs> what about uh, the Billy Graham Award winner? This one I'm giving to Ultimo Dragon, Ultimate Dragon. <clears throat> um, and it's simply because I think a real refined and well-done performance from him could have made that match great. And I do think he kind of held it back to a degree. Because uh, I think Liger was game for like a four-star match. And Ultimo just wasn't there this night. He had, I don't know if it was nervousness or what, but he had an off night and it reflected in the match overall. Now, people are going to question my impartiality here, Chad, but I'm just going to give it to Chono automatically. Yeah, uh, well, big <laughs> surprise there. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, people praise me for being fairly objective in my ratings, but, you know, Chono, just fuck him, basically. I can't stand the guy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um,. Okay, so what what are we going to next? So we're yeah, next is Slamboree. Uh, so we so we jump forward a good bit. There's a wall in clashes uh, at the onset of 1993. So our next show is Slamboree. Tentatively, we have a guest scheduled. We'll see if we can work that out time wise with our uh, ever increasing narrowing gap of recording these shows but maybe we can make it work and if not it'll just be me and par but we'll be tackling slumbery 93 uh at the omni the last omni pay-per-view uh period actually. is it yeah this will be wow, the that's... last time uh yeah this will be the last time we're at in atlanta for a show we do if we just do the uh super cards that's... which is kind of shocking that's staggering and, and who's the yeah. guy Who's the guest? Shows how much I'm in the loop. <laughs> who's, who's the guest? <laughs> uh, well, well, if, if everything goes to plan, uh, Lawrence O'Brien, uh, who used to uh, co-host Puro in the Rough and is a contributor on the Match of the Week Club uh, at Place to Be Nation, will be joining us. Fantastic. Okay, well. And he, he's going through all this stuff for the first time. So he's another one of the uh, young blood. Uh, so it's been interesting to uh, discuss with him. I've been chatting back and forth with him very frequently on uh, his watchings through WCW for the first time. An interesting prism. Chad, Chad you like a, you like a, uh, a kind of wrestling review Triple H or something, bringing through all these hot talents from the indie scene <laughs> up to the big leagues. What do you reckon? <laughs> like, like Eric Bischoff, you know, he went to Japan. <laughs> All right, well, uh, we said it was going to be a shorter show today. Um, so, you know, give us your thoughts. Uh, this is one car where I am genuinely interested to see what people make of the matches because I, th- I feel like me and Chad are way out of sync with the uh, the old review community there. <laughs> yeah, I still, like to, still feel like there's a lot of narrative to be built on this car too uh, with the lack of buzz. So, yeah, interested in other opinions for this one. Yep, well, until next time, so long for now. Fans, for all of us here at WCW Center Stage, for Cowboy Bill Watts and the American Dream Dusty Rhodes, I'm Jim Ross saying good night, everybody.